We're in uh, message number three when it comes to our Masterclass series. And in the previous messages, uh, our tagline for this, this whole series really is that we want the one who designed relationships to define it for us. And so we want God to speak into how we conduct ourselves in relationships. And relationships more than just, uh, you know, husband-wife relationship, any kind of relationship, whether it's with friends, whether it's parents with children, children with parents, whether it's with work colleagues, whether it's with authority figures, or whether it's with, you know, um, relationships that's more vague, like, you know, you have with a church, with the church, or relationships you have with maybe, um, you know, government. We spoke about so many good things of, uh, of, of, of um, let me get my notes back up, how trust affects every part of our relational lives. And we need to learn how to reestablish trust. And we need to learn how to be willing to let trust be reestablished. But we also need to learn how to allow enough time for trust to be rebuilt. That we can't expect something that has been broken over many years to just recover in a month of good intention. We need to take a new journey and a new lifestyle of living so that trust will be rebuilt over time. Um, and uh, basically what we said was, you know, your, your relationship cannot tra- transcend the level of trust there is. Today we're going to talk about something that's also one of those limiting factors of a relationship. It's probably the one thing that causes the most conflict in relationships. What do you guys think it is? All right, y'all are very on it. It's communication, for sure. And uh, in fact, when we did our survey and we asked you guys to fill out, about 50% of our church filled out that survey. And I want to thank you for taking the time to do that because it really gives us valuable insight. And we don't just ask for that information just so that we kind of have, you know, stats. No, we, we actually use that to know what is the needed things that we need to speak on right now um, when it comes to relationships, because there is so much you can speak into, right, when it comes to relationship. And uh, getting feedback from you uh, and in the future, if we ever do that again, you need to know that we really use that to speak to what we are needing in this house to break through in, what we need in this house to grow in our relationship with each other and with God. And so your feedback to us there was that the number one thing we need to talk about is how to communicate better. And so here we are. Uh, week three, we're doing communication. Colossians 4 verse 6 starts the whole speech about communication like this. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So that you may know how to answer each person. There's so many things just assumed in this verse. You're going to react differently to different people. You're going to respond to uh, um, situations differently because you're dealing with a different person. We need to make sure that our speech is always gracious. In other words, it needs to be informed by God's perspective about the individual that we're communicating with. And then it needs to be seasoned with salt. And I'm always reminded of, um, you know, salt in the Bible talks about influence. What influence does your speech contain? Is it godly influence or is it, you know, is it, is it, is it negative influence? And then obviously, so that you know how you ought to answer each person. When we talked about, when we did the survey, we asked, you know, what are the best aspects of your marriages? What are the worst aspects of your marriages? And on the single side, we talked about, you know, what we, in your relationships in general, what would you say is the strongest aspect of your relationships? And what is the worst? And by far, the, uh, the second worst with both instances was that communication is the worst aspect <laughs> of our relationships, which, which will eventually cause, you know, big complications to occur. So it's absolutely imperative that we talk about relationship because you can't get relationships right if you get communication wrong. We have to get our communication right. Matthew 12 verse 37 says this, words are powerful. You know that thing, sticks and stones and break my bones, but words, it's a lie. Okay? (laughs) Words are powerful. You have to take them seriously. Because words can be your salvation, but they can also be your damnation. Another translation says this, um, that life and death is in the power of your tongue. And those who love to use it will enjoy its fruit. 
And that means that you can have good fruit or you can have bad fruit, depending on what kind of seed you sow with your tongue. Communication is to a relationship what blood is to the body. Blood carries all the nutrients, all the oxygen that the body needs to grow, to survive, to thrive. In that way, communication helps relationships survive, thrive, and grow. It brings the necessary um, uh, information. It brings the necessary feelings, emotions. uh, It transfers uh, 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 reality, facts about each other to each other that is needed for relationships to grow closer and, and for relationships to heal up. When communication breaks down, war ensues. That's an actual fact an, an international fact, historic fact. Whenever communications ceased, the next step is war. So for everything that you do, you need a fight for communication. Because it's like that last straw that if that breaks down, there is very little hope left. Not no hope, because as we sung, nothing is impossible for Jesus. But where he's probably going to start with you is back at communication. When you fix your communication, you can start working on your relationship. So um, here's the reality. If you want to do anything with anybody else in life, go on a date, ask a girl out, you know, grow, build your relationship, get closer with a friend, you have to learn how to communicate well. It's just a fact of life. You know, um, the strong and silent type is, is you know, mysterious and sexy uh, uh, for the first time maybe two dates. Then after that, you want to know a bit more about the person. And if there's no communication coming, there ain't no more dates happening either. Um, and if you did go ahead and marry a strong and silent type that refuses to communicate, well then, you know, that's something that you chose. And you, <laughs> you're going to have to, by faith, trust God to move beyond the place that you started out with. My advice to you is don't get into something that is not going to change. So make sure that there's a willingness to grow in communication before you get hitched, all the single people, okay? But if you're there, I've got good news for you today. I'm going to help you to get your communication sorted out, all right? And that can make a beautiful, beautiful contribution to the resolution of conflict, to the growth of a relationship um, that just, you know, makes us thrive in life and uh, get those happy wife, happy life situations going. All right, you all ready for this? Good. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. That means you can talk a lot and not communicate. There's a difference between talking and communicating. And just because your mouth was going open and shut with sound coming out doesn't mean that you communicated. All right? And thinking that it does is just setting you up for failure. So often arguments result as a factor of two things. Miscommunication or misunderstanding. So you're either receiving the message wrong or you're saying the wrong thing. And either one of those two can happen to the same person. In fact, those two things can happen at the same time, interchangeably, in the same conversation. I can say something wrong, I can say something, and you can take it wrong, and you can respond, and then I can take it wrong. And, and we can both be wrong at both things, and that's why each person, individual, that is part of a conversation, needs to take responsibility for both things, both saying the right things and both taking what he said the right way. If any one of those things break down, you have a war, you have an argument right there. And that's why communication is often way more laborious than we would want it to be. It takes a whole lot more work to communicate than it does to just talk and just say what you want to say. But if your relationship is going to thrive, you're going to have to learn how to communicate well. Wise communicators know that there are always, in every single conversation, there is the possibility for two levels or two communication 
areas to be accessed. Two, let's call, let's call them levels. Communication that can be that can be um, that can that can be a reality in, in the conversation. The first level of communication is a topical conversation, and a topical conversation appeals to facts and logic. It's about the content of the words that are being used, the particular words, and and, and so so emphasis in, is made on you know the facts. There's another 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 part of a conversation that. You'll, you all have done this before. I do this every day. It's not, a top, it's not the topical side of a conversation. It's the relational side of a relationship. It's the side of a relationship that is not too much bothered by the facts and logic. It's all about perception and feelings. It's about how the conversation is making me feel rather than what the conversation is about. Topical and relational. And here's the kicker. Until both parties of a conversation decide to be in the same side of a conversation, no agreement is going to happen. No understanding is going to happen. No resolution of conflict is going to happen. It's just going to remain a fighting match of he said, she said. Or they said, I said. Let me give you an example of that. Okay, I'm going to create a scenario. It's going to be fun. A husband and wife is talking about the budget. Everybody goes, ooh, <laughs> this is going to be explosive. You're right. The husband makes the comment that a pair of shoes that the wife bought is extremely expensive. The wife understands it as him accusing her of spending too much money and starts attacking him by citing all the expensive things he's bought for hunting. Anybody been in that situation? All right. <laughs> We've got some honest people here. The husband defends by saying that he was merely making an observation about the price of shoes and attacks back that the wife needn't have taken it personally. Anybody been there before? I've been, <laughs> I've been there plenty of times, right? What's going on here? What happened in this scenario that I'm painting? The first thing is that the husband made a statement about the price of shoes. Now, two things might be true of that statement. He might have made an observation about the price of shoes. Another thing that might be true is he might have tried to jab a little at, this, at the expenses, at the, uh, how much was, was spent People were, the, the wife was spending. But in our scenario, we're going to go with the fact that he did not mean anything different from what he said. Okay? He really was making an observation. However, the wife understood him as saying something between the lines to her. And she took offense to that. She started defending herself because she felt that she was being attacked and she felt that she was being judged. That's the relational side of the conversation that was taking place. Now what happens naturally in a situation like that? The other party goes and says, what do they do? They appeal to try and avert the conflict, right? They appeal to the facts and the logic. I did not say you spent too much money. All I said was, these shoes are expensive. This was the words I used. Facts. Logic. That doesn't, that doesn't automatically mean I'm accusing you of anything. Logic. The husband is defending by calling out the facts. The wife goes, I, I don't believe you. I know you're accusing me of spending too much money. She's refusing to let the conversation come back to the object of the conversation the topic at hand what you're getting is you're getting the makings of a blow-up that's going to end like we should never talk about finances it always ends in you know in a fight so <laughs> i don't know why is it why is it that quiet does it just is this is this completely non-relating to you or are you or are you just stunned that it can be that real <laughs> 
Number second, the second option. Topical and relational conversation is the way that we all knee-jerk communicate. When somebody says something, I can take it the wrong way and I can push the conversation into a relational conversation where it needn't have been there necessarily. But the same is also, but the opposite is also true. I might perceive something and realize that, oh, it was actually a jab. And if the, if the husband in our scenario doesn't allow the conversation to come this way, there's never going to be a resolution to it anyways. Okay, so how can we do a better job here at communicating in a way that causes less conflict in the first place? And secondly, allows relationships that are under stress to actually resolve and better conversations to happen for it to heal up. I want to share five essentials of great communication with you today. And the first is going to be to, to seek to understand before you try to be understood. That means before you re-explain yourself to defend what you said, you need to stop yourself and try to understand where the other person is at before you continue on what you were about to do. In our scenario, for us to reach a point of understanding, I have to leave my position in what I think I am right about. And I have to be willing to go meet the other person where they're at. And that's going to that's gonna, that's gonna necessitate me to, instead of trying to defend what I said or re-explain what I said, to ask questions to understand what the other person heard me say. And so if I would ask, look, um, let's say the wife in this scenario, she, she, is, she, she hears the husband say, man, those shoes are expensive. She feels in her heart he's attacking her and accusing her of spending too much, but she catches herself. And instead of just going with a relational conversation and starting defending herself, she seeks to understand before she tries to make herself understood by asking a question, asking a question like this. Are you surprised by the price or by the fact that I bought it? You see how that question immediately clarifies what's going on in this scenario. Now, two things may be true. The husband may say, I'm surprised that you bought it. Well, now we know what the truth of the real message was that he was sending. Now you can deal with that, <laughs> okay? And you have to deal with that now, but now, and that conversation now needs to get resolved. Well, there needs to be, you know, um, explanation as to why you felt it was necessary, and, and we're going to debate that. And at the end of the day, we're going to make a conclusion. Well, I don't think that was a wise purchase. And or you might, the conclusion might be, well, you know, you, need, you need, really needed that, and um, there was just no other way of, of getting around it. But until you actually know what the other person meant when he said what he said, you can't reach a conclusion. You can't reach a resolution to that conflict. The other side might also be true. The husband might have not meant anything bad by it. He might not have meant anything between the lies, and he might have genuinely been shocked at the price of shoes. I don't know about you, but I don't walk around women's shoes when I go to Walmart or you know whatever target places that sell shoes. I don't even know where you buy shoes, by the way. Um, I don't know the cost of shoes. So I could have just said, like, man, these shoes are expensive. And meant that I'm shocked by that. The question of the wife's side, hey, are you shocked that it, at the price or that I bought it? I could have just said, no, I'm just shocked at the price. Well, that would have removed any feeling of judgment, any feeling of accusation off of the wife's heart and mind. And she could have just joined me in the topical side of the conversation by saying, yeah, it's crazy. It's just nuts. Don't know what things are coming to. <laughs> and there'd be no conflict. You see, if you can catch yourself, where are you at? Am I responding from what I think the person said? Or am I really joining the topic? If we can do that and define to ourselves, okay, good. Maybe I should go and join him in the topical side of this conversation rather than responding emotionally about it. Give me a scenario. 
give, give you a little scenario. At the end of the message, um, there's a portion where you know, we're, we're discussing prayer. And um, so I'm making a suggestion right, about the prayer, and my wife makes a comment. <laughs> now, I've just worked out this whole message about communication, right? <laughs> so my wife says something to me. And I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to interpret that as, as meaning something that she did not say, right? So she says something to the order of, um, well, in order to pray that, you first have to believe it. The topical sentence there really is just making a statement about you can't pray something that you don't believe. I took it as, she doesn't believe it. <laughs> She's saying, I don't believe this. She never said, I don't believe this. But my response emotionally felt that that was what she was saying. So I'm about to, you don't believe this? <laughs> this is the Bible. And I catch myself and I go like, man, this is good stuff. <laughs> this is good stuff. This really works. I said, so you know what I, I just did? I almost just thought you meant you don't believe this. But I realized now you just made a statement of truth. You can't pray something you don't believe. And that, in that moment, I was just like, man, this happened so fast. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get a warning before this happens to you. It happens this fast. But if you know this and you're aware of this, you can catch yourself. And seek to understand what the person is saying before you just react emotionally and flip the conversation to a relational side where it was actually just a, a topic with no in-between in between meanings. The Bible talks about two types of communicators. The first is, uh, is called the fool. Okay? Proverbs 18 verse 2 says this, A fool takes no pleasure... In understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. All right, how many of you have been foolish like that before? Come on, put up your hand. Don't, don't come on. Don't lie to me. I know you because I know me. I've done this so many times. Acted the fool by not seeking to understand what somebody's saying, just assuming I know what they said, and then just running my mouth after that to defend myself. We all do it. It's just so natural to us because we're so sensitive <laughs> a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but the wise the bible calls that's the other communicator the wise according to proverbs 12:15 says fools think their way their own way is right but the wise listen to others in my example here with my wife i honestly thought she meant not said, meant that she didn't believe what I wrote. I was offended because she didn't believe what I thought was something good that I wrote on the page, you know. But she never said that. She didn't even mean it. And we could have had a big old argument right there if I acted the fool. But thankfully I was just so busy with all of this, you know. That I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. So I caught myself. And I listened to what she was saying. And it was like nothing ever happened. The conversation just went on. My emotions calmed down. <laughs> I, I didn't believe my wife was, you know, not, unwilling to believe what the Bible is saying. We could continue without a tiff occurring. Point number two, second essential of good communication is you have to learn how to listen before you speak. Listen before you speak. Proverbs 18 says, answering before listening is both, no, wait, 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 wait. I thought it was up there. There we go. It's both stupid and rude. How many of you have begun talking, the other person haven't finished their sentence yet? You're just, you're just listening to find the next thing that you can say to kind of respond to what's being said. You actually didn't seek to understand and you didn't try to listen. Before you spoke, there's an adage that goes, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. I thought that was funny. If you put Proverbs 18 in the opposite, it, it sounds like this. Listening before answering is both wise and loving. 
Listening before answering is both wise and loving. Because listening is actually just the language of love. Seeking to understand, choosing to listen before I speak, communicates to somebody that I receive you. I'm not just dismissing you. I'm not devaluing your opinion. I am respecting you enough to remain quiet, not like this, to remain quiet until you have spoken. There's, well, in relationship counseling, there's, we, 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 we refer to active listening. In conflict management and in communication classes, you'll hear this. Active listening. Active listening is more than just hearing words coming out of somebody's mouth. Active listening is seeking to know what the person is meaning when he's speaking to you. That requires you to do a couple of things. It requires you to actually look at them when they're talking to you. See, we communicate way more than just with the sounds that come out of our mouth. Our whole demeanor communicates. Our whole demeanor communicates. And so if, you can't, if you're not looking at somebody, you can often just misunderstand what they're saying. Because you didn't realize he was saying it with a, you know, a naughty smile in the corner of his mouth. And you can take offense to something somebody says. Meanwhile, they were just you know, cutting up a little. That's why it requires you to look at people when they talk to you. Not on your phone, you know. It's like my wife knows when I do this. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> she knows I'm not listening. <laughs> She'll tell me, what did I just say? I'm like, uh, okay, you caught me. <laughs> I don't have a clue. What you know, we learned one, one time what we were doing, a little assessment and thing. I learned one of the things my wife hates the most is having to repeat herself. Her personality type are like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I make my wife repeat things so many times. If I make you repeat something, I'm sorry in advance. I don't know what that's called, faith or um, just, I don't know. But <laughs> it's an advanced apology. Sometimes I don't actively, actively listen to people. And I have, to, I have to like catch myself, put away that thing, close that screen, you know, Put off the sound of the, of the TV so that you can, you can look at the person and, or pause the, the thing so that you have time to you know, focus on the person that is speaking to you. At the same time, be self-aware. Be aware of what's going on on your face. You know, when you're looking like this the whole time when somebody's talking to you, and you can just be focusing. I'm talking for myself here, all right? I had to learn to, you know, just to fix my face in communication because sometimes I could just like, you know, just be, uh, number one, I'm, I'm a little, little hard hearing. You know, I, I, my ears are not the, the most acute, you know? So sometimes I, I want to focus on what you're saying and I'm like, kind of squinting my eyes and I'm like, trying to focus, you know, trying to read your lips. But you're looking at me, my girl, like, this guy isn't believing a word I'm saying. <laughs> No, I'm actually just trying to focus, but I have to learn to, you know, to just rather go up closer <laughs> than to try and go like this. Just be more present in the conversation so that I can learn what you're meaning from what you're saying to me, right? Be aware of how you're sitting. If you're kind of like this, you know, I mean, I know you're not really receiving what I'm saying. You've, you've got reservations. I just know that. You're just, just looking at me like this, kind of like, you know, oh, what's this guy going to tell me today? I don't believe a word he's saying anyways. Why am I anyway here? That's what I'm, that's what I'm perceiving. You know, that might not even be true, right? I'm all of a sudden jumping into a relational conclusion here. For you, it might just be, I don't know what else to do with my arms. They're comfortable here, okay? <laughs> right? I might be assuming in that. But there are always communication. There's communication going on right now between us, right? And, 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 and I, have to, I have to choose to believe the best when I see something that looks to me like, you know. And, and, and you have to do the same. You have, you have to, when I say something that might be stepping on your toes, you know, you might, you might have to go like, he's meaning well. Let me, let me, let me open my ears and, and really understand what he means by that so that I, may, I might benefit from the message. It's always going on. But if you're self-aware and, and you smile when you speak and you just, you know, you're not, you're not giving a different message with your demeanor than you are with your mouth, you might get more people to believe what you're saying. The last thing that active listening does is it, it's a great skill, and you would do well to incorporate this into your communication, is to repeat back to the person that just said something to you to test whether you actually heard right. 
So here's how you do it. When somebody shares important information with you, you say this. Well, let me just see if I'm hearing you right. What I'm hearing you saying to me is, and then you go and explain in your own words what you think they're meaning in what they're saying to you. Right there, you might learn that, no, 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 that's not what I'm meaning at all. I can't tell you how many times that have saved my behind from making conclusions in a conversation with some, with, with some of you even <laughs> when we were talking about serious matters. Learning what the person really means when they're talking and what they're saying to you is listening before you speak, before you respond. Ask questions for clarification. We learned in our survey that most of our people feel loved through positive words, through words of affirmation. That means if you use your speech in any form or way in derogatory, insulting, demeaning terms, you're not just doing, um, you're not just, just hurting somebody, you're hurting somebody to the greatest extent because that's the, that's the place that they feel loved in most if it's done right. But if it's the place that they feel loved in most, it's also the place that they're going to get hurt the most if it's not done right. So we really need to work hard at, at how we say what we say to people so that it, it actually does what the next, the next part is about. Thinking before speaking helps you to respond in a couple of ways right. Let's talk about this. Let's say in our scenario, the husband realized that his wife just gave one heck of an emotional response to something that he really didn't mean ill by. Okay? So remember I said both parties need to take responsibility for making sure that the conversation is happening on the same playing field. So even if your wife or your husband misses it and pulls that conversation into a relational feeling, perceiving, in between the lines kind of thing, you still have the ability to go, hold up, something ain't right. What I just said shouldn't have solicited that response. Instead of going on attack mode and re-explaining yourself and defending your point of view, seek to understand yourself. Listen to the person. So why, what do you need to listen? What do you need before somebody will, you need to invite them to speak again. You need to, before you respond, give them another chance to say what they said. Let me hear you correctly. Is this what you meant? Inviting them to speak again. Seek understanding, listening. And then in this scenario, the husband might have gone, uh, did you feel like I accused you of spending too much money? And then the wife might have gone, well, yeah. And then the husband could go, all right, pause, time out. I did not. I really just made a comment about the price of shoes. In fact, I'm happy that you got it for you. I want you to have it. And she would go, well, I didn't really need it, you know. Shuffle on back to the topic. <laughs> and that's how these things happen, guys. And realize that's how you, you make sure from either side that you're not switching sides in the conversation the whole time, continuing missing each other. Where are we having this conversation? As the husband, you think, why did what I just said triggered such a response? Think. Why did it trigger that response? She must not have heard me correctly. Or you might go, well, truth be told, I don't think she should have bought that. So I better go ahead and just have that conversation. Move on over to the relational side. You know what? I really don't think we should have bought this. But now you're having a truthful conversation. And truth lines you up to have a, a breakthrough. Truth lines you up to actually find one another again. Now you can deal with that fact. Well, I, I think I just, I needed it for this and this, and I couldn't find anything else. Oh, well, I understand. Um, okay. It happened. and Whatever else comes out of that, you need to make decisions for yourselves. What, what, what's relevant to your relationship? We really need to uh, just have a discussion before we buy expensive items. If you just knew me in the decision, I, I don't think I would have felt like this. And I would have seen the need for you to buy it. We wouldn't have come to this point in, in the first place. So I'm appealing to you, just 
communicate with me about stuff like that. Oh, I can do that. Boom, resolved. You still have the shoes. Everybody's happy. Let's life go on, right? We can learn how to communicate better by applying these, these principles. For you to do what Proverbs 15 says, you have to think before you speak. Verse 1 says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words makes tempest flare. Harsh words makes tempest flare. A gentle answer deflects anger. You want to de-escalate emotions when you're having sensitive conversations. Because if there's high emotion, there's bad communication. Because when there's high emotion, it's so hard to recognize that I responded emotionally to a factual thing. It's hard to admit that I said something that triggered an emotion. And each side will defend it to the death. I did not say anything wrong. These are the words I chose. These are the words I used. Appeal to the facts. Appeal to the topic. Yeah, but I know that you meant by it. You always say things like that. And all right? I know you don't sound like that woman. Okay, it just. <laughs> but that's how it goes. And until we find where we're at, until we're willing to admit, you know what? I said this, but I think it was it wasn't it was ill timed. I shouldn't have said that here. While we were, you know, under under stress of finding, you know, money that, you know, I shouldn't have said that here. That was that was a bad place to say it. Even though what I said was true. By stopping to defend your right to be right, you actually manage <laughs> to communicate. You manage to find your communication partner and work it out. And that's the heart behind wise communication. So, for us to think, we need to consider a couple of things. We need to know that words matter. Okay? Words matter. You need to ask yourself, should this be said? Should this be said? Then tone matters. You have to ask yourself, should this be said this way? With this tone of voice? Should I use my angry voice when I talk about this? Should I use my irritated voice when I talk about this? Being self-aware of how you sound is half the battle won. And then the last one is timing matters. Timing matters. Should this be said now? Can I, can I circle back to this later on? Make a mental note. Hey, we need to talk about that shoes. But if I do, the, I do it now while we're under pressure trying to figure things out, it's going to blow up. Let me just pause on that conversation. Let me just ignore it. Ignore it. Mental note, ignore, 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 ignore. Later on when we're talking, having dinner, having fun, it's like, um, let's talk about that shoes. And you bring it up in a better place if it does need to be talked about. By that time, you'll know if it was really necessary to talk about it. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, we're not even talking about, you know, insults. We're not even talking about using bad language with each other. We're not even talking. That's just common sense. If you're going to have a healthy relationship and you want to, you know, insult people, you uh, pe- just, you, sometimes we think, oh, if I do that, they'll, they'll become better. They'll know that they need to be better in that area. Look, that's, that's idiotic. You don't break something down and expect it to be built up by it, right? You don't throw rocks at a wall and expect the wall to, to grow. No, it's, it's illogical. So don't use insults to try and motivate somebody to change. That's not how the Bible even operates with us. God calls out the best in us, reminds us of our identity, calls us children of God. The Bible says His words washes us. It improves us. It evokes our beauty. Your words can evoke beauty in the people that you communicate with. It can call them up into greatness or it can degrade them. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. There is never a good time to insult anybody. There is never a good time to use words to manipulate. Last week I shared that 50% of our marriages use divorce as a threat to manipulate situations. That needs to end. 
you cannot use. It, the, the D word needs to be a cuss word that you avoid at all costs. You just don't go there. Because words matter. And the minute you introduce that word into your conversation, you've crossed a boundary that's difficult to retract. Now, if you have, there needs to be repentance. We should not have used that. We should, I should not have said that. Let's communicate better. Because if our relationship is to survive and thrive and rebuild, we're going to have to learn how to find one another and learn how to communicate not just talk to each other. Just a point on text messaging that I know a younger generation is very much in a, text, in a texting. You can't communicate properly tone of voice, body language through text. I know there's emoticons, but they just don't cut it. If you have to have an important conversation, you have to pick up a phone and you have to talk to somebody at the very least. But preferably, you need to see somebody. Because there's something, it's highly different if you're looking at somebody face-to-face and communicating about something than when, you, when you're doing it over text. Trying to resolve an argument over text messaging, <laughs> dude, it's not happening. When the argument has resolved and you're kind of kissing and making up, now text messages are okay again. But don't try and fix conflict over text. Don't write an email. I've seen this so many times. People write an email and it gets read entirely wrong because tone of voice, body language, demeanor, understanding, none of that's in there. You're not going to ask for understanding in an email. You're going to state your opinion. This works in the workplace. I can tell you how many times you could have avoided being fired if you'd actually just went up to the person just had a conversation with them instead of responding with an email. It's a bad choice. It's a bad way of resolving conflict text don't do it get into a person's personal space and and and, and talk through it timing matters psalm 141 verse 3 says this set a guard over my mouth O lord keep watch over the door of my lips what this really is it really is the holy spirit this is the holy spirit telling you hey not now don't go there don't say it i told you not to say it He wants to help you communicate well. Listen to his prompts. If he tells you to overlook something, overlook it. If he reminds you that you're responding emotionally to something that should just be a normal, logical conversation, listen to him. Meet the person in the topic. If somebody responded emotionally, don't just go off and proving that you're right. Go and meet them there. Help them to come back to the topic. Really, the fourth principle is that we will choose to love people before we judge judge people when we're talking believing the best learning how to trust that somebody what somebody is saying is what they're saying rather than what they're not saying what you think they're meaning is you choosing to love and not judge them you feel judged don't judge back and if they if they think you're daft and you're not getting it well then you can say well you didn't say that <laughs> and you're appealing to the logic, and they're going to go, yeah, but that's what I meant. And if you go, all right, good, now we're back here. <laughs> let's find each other. If that's what you meant, okay, let's talk about it. But that's not what you said. And that way you can help each other find one another, and it can be resolved. But here's one thing that we need to know. People are not going to talk until they feel safe to do so. So if you're actually inviting somebody with a question for clarification or you're wanting them to repeat what he said so that you may clarify what what, what you think they meant and they don't feel that you're a safe person to do that with, they might not want to speak. They might not want to clarify. And so if we're going to improve our communication, we really have to affirm to each other that we're safe to talk with. And that even if you say something that does set me off emotionally, that I am going to take responsibility to hear you right and to resolve the conflict without it being a blow up. Because creating a safe space is what we all need in order for intimacy to occur. The Bible says Adam and Eve were naked, but they weren't ashamed. When you talk about your emotions to people, when you talk about the things that you perceive and feel, 
you're often revealing insecurities. You're often revealing your own emotional nakedness. And, 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 and if somebody kind of goes and, you know, laughs at that or exposes that or judges you in that, it makes you just bored up and never want to go back there again. And again, if you know you've done that, then what you need to go do is reaffirm that, hey, I want to be a safe space for you to say to me what you need to say and for us to find each other to be able to talk things through. So can we try again? I'll, I'll, I'll promise to do better, to discern and to understand, to wait till I talk, to think before I respond. If you'll just allow me, to, if you'll just you know, trust me to be a safe space again. If we can do that, we're going to help reach each other where we're at and come back so that more effective communication can take place, not just talking to each other. And then the last thing we want to do today is we want to pray with each other because prayer changes everything. Man, our survey revealed that less than half of our, peop- our, our, our relationships are, are really built around the Bible, talking about the Bible and praying, not for each other privately, but praying with each other and praying for each other in person. You know, that changes everything in a relationship. When you start praying with somebody, whether it's a friend or a colleague at work, or in fact, when you don't feel like praying with somebody, you need to know that that relationship needs a level of, you know, um, work uh, uh, that to bring it to that place where that, that vulnerability is allowed. Because God wants us to have relationships with people. Sure, it means you pray with everybody about everything. But man, if there's somebody that you need to be able to pray with about everything, it's your significant other. It's your parents. It's your children. It's your close friends. Those relationships need to be places that you can pray with, discuss the Bible with, but also pray for one another. It's so important because one thing, it's real hard to, to constantly argue with somebody that you're regularly praying with because you learn something about them. When they're talking to Jesus, you're, you're getting a view into their souls that you need to treat as sacred, that you don't get to see if you don't see them open up to God. We need to pray together, people. That needs to be a goal for every relationship that you hold dear. That at some point we need to come to that place where we're willing to pray with each other. When we're with each other, to pray for each other. I want us to take a moment today and, and just pray. Pray for each other. Jesus' disciples came to him and, says, and said, asked him, Lord, how do you pray? And then Jesus taught them how to pray. He gave them words how to pray. I want to invite you. We're going to create a moment now where we all just pray over each other. Pray over your spouse. Pray over a friend, a sibling. So why don't you just turn to each other right now. And if you don't know how to pray or what to pray, we're going to put some words up on the screen. It's six slides. Two for people that are single that might be here that just need to pray for themselves right now. And then two slides each for husbands to pray over their wives and wives to pray over their husbands. I want to invite you, if you don't know how to pray for your wife, just use these words. Won't you say this prayer from your heart over the person that you are in relationship with? Let's do that right now. Turn to each other and let's pray. You can just wait for the slide to come up before you start praying over your wife if you don't want to just do it on your own. But if you want to do it on your own, go ahead right now. Just pray a blessing over your wife or over your husband or over your children if you're with your children. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us in this place, Lord God. As we speak words of healing and life over each other, Lord, pray that you meet our our needs and our expectations and relationships. you're up 
take courage and pray this prayer over your wife. Wait, wait, wait. This is the wives. Sorry. <laughs> Switch roles real quick. This one's for the for the husbands. Did the husbands want to come up again? Husbands, did you pray? If you haven't prayed this prayer over your wife, go ahead now and pray that over your wife. stand together Holy Spirit you are a great communicator the word you gave us God just says everything you want us to know about you about life about us thank you for speaking so clearly to us through your word and thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit that can just continue to talk to us and remind us of what you said in your word Help lead us in our decision making. Help us to know things that we ought to know even if we weren't told. Help us to discern correctly where our relationships are at and what what we need to pray for our partners for, our friends for, our children for. Lord, give us the humility, Father, to find one another in communication. Give us the humility to not fight for being right, but to fight for reaching each other to fight for understanding, to fight for hearing one another out, to fight for saying the right things in the right way. Help us to communicate well, Lord God, because we want our relationships to grow. We want them to heal, to recover, Lord God. We want our relationships to thrive. And so we'll let you define our communication, Lord. We'll let you teach us how to speak and how to communicate. We pray that today in your name. Father, as I send our church family out into the, into the week, I pray that you bless them, protect them, and bring them back safely this, the next weekend, Lord God. Father, I pray a blessing over all their giving. We've got such a generous church, Lord, and you've, you've blessed us in such incredible ways. We pray, Father, that you will, as your word says, you will give bread to all who need to eat, but you'll also give seed so that we can all sow back into your work, back into your kingdom so that your name will be glorified and your ways will be known in our community. Thank you, Father, that you bless us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great Sunday. We'll see you again next week. God bless.